0: the old man is down the road that's me Martin Donnan range anxiety bringing you 30 years of automotive tuning experience in 30 minutes once a week or every few days or whenever I feel like it and I feel like it right now why do I feel like it well there's some good reasons one of them uh, reasons is I'm getting so much feedback from people Martin we want more Martin we want this Martin, we want that. Martin, we want you to finish off Tuna Wars and the Ford story. Soon, guys, soon, guys, soon. I've, I've, I've got to keep writing that one. But today, I've really got to uh, go back and revisit R35 GDRs, a subject I know a lot about. And the reason I've got to go back and revisit it is because a guy I know was driving his down to another mate's shop today. It's a race car, and... He, It's sort of semi-road registered race car, I suppose you could say. This isn't Texas. We have some pretty tough laws here for what can and cannot be driven on the roads in, in South Australia. And, yeah, just simply, like, broke the front diff. What did he say? It sounded like a mouse was caught in the front of the car somewhere. Yeah, but that mouse soon started crunching and grinding. And, you know, R35s, what can I say? Wonderful car. Master class in building a cheap supercar. But... That's just the problem, isn't it? They are indeed a cheap supercar. And me being the grumpy old man that I'm well known for being can relay to you all of the problems and all of the things that I've got or that you have to look for when you're modifying one of these things. The most common phone call I receive for Nissans and R35 GDRs in particular is I want to spend some money on it. But I want to make sure sure the gearbox is bulletproof. So give me a package um, to make sure that nothing goes wrong with the gearbox. I was like, okay, well, that's about $50,000. What? I had one guy uh, say, nah, nah, mate. My cousin, he builds autos. He can build me a killer one for two grands, man. So I said, off you go. It ain't no auto and you ain't going to build much of a GDR gearbox for 2000 bucks. But hey. You know better than me. Most customers do, or people, especially, particularly GDR owners. Some don't, some do. Um, and, yeah, he went away and had his cousin build his auto. Maybe he'd put a power glide in it, and he was one of the smart ones. or maybe not. So, where do you start with these cars, and what is a logical upgrade path for them? Let's start with the good bits. The engine. The engine in an R35 GDR is a really nice bit of kit. Yep, semi sort of closed deck design. You know, there was the bullshit that existed in the day that, oh, you know, you've got to get the engine rebuilt every 80,000 kilometers. Well, I can tell you, no, 50,000 miles. I can tell you, I owned one that had done 180,000 kilometers and the bores, the engine was still like new. So that's just a load of crap. They have a spray on lining in the cylinder. You know, they called it a plasma-infused bore. Basically, spray-on-iron uh, in the raw aluminium block rather than having a liner. Something Porsche, motorcycles, Sea-Doo, ski dos have been doing for years. And, you know, the internet jumped on this at the time as being something new and some witchcraft that Nissan were doing. No, it wasn't any bloody witchcraft. They're a good engine. Very strong. But again, you know, they went through the honeymoon phase when they first came out. You know, 2009, people doing crazy things with them and making 600 horsepower out of them. And then, like all engines, you know, they had their honeymoon of 12 to 18 months. Then they started dropping like flies, as they do. You know, people, mainly poor tuning is what breaks these engines. These, the VR38 is good enough that it will make 600 horsepower quite reliably, 700 horsepower. If you really know what you're doing and you set the engine tuning up correctly so that you don't bend the factory conrods. That's the first thing that kills them. And you can always tell when you've bent a rod even before it goes because it's that mouse again. You get a little bit of a squeaking in the motor. You can sort of hear it and feel it if you've been around enough of them. I've actually only seen one do it and it let go and that was because someone had been messing around it was it was a standard engine making like 700 horsepower someone had been messing around with the fuel system and forgot to put one of the relays back in for the second stage fuel pumps whoopsie daisy and yeah it leaned out and it actually the detonation didn't take a piston out it just bent a rod interesting huh so yeah mainly too much cylinder pressure or detonation will bend the con rods in them and because owners aren't aware of it they keep driving them till eventually they window the block as the rod comes out and screams for freedom yep and it will and it does and when it does there's lots of oil there's lots of smoke and there's a big hole not just in the block but in your pocket normally about a 20 to 30,000 up to $50,000 hole depending on what the bent rod takes out so yeah knowing how to tune the things is critical but the engines are really 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 good and the engine control unit the factory computer is really 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 good you can make 1500 1800 horsepower support the mods all with the brilliant um factory computer and the equally brilliant uh, cob tuning software and also the very very good and in some people's eyes better but you know it just depends on preference black or white the ecutech pro tuning software is brilliant for these things as well. well I happen to have both the gdr's and yeah both very very good um, which brings us towards some of the weaker parts of the car. Righty Um the body's certainly not weak. The body is built like a bank vault in a GDR. It's bloody big, it's bloody heavy, has a double layer floor pan, it's stiff, it's it's structurally, it's a monster. It's a great thing, and that's why they were considered to be a bit of a overly heavy weapon when they were first released. Um now let's talk about let's start at the front and work backwards. Front differential absolute heap of shit it's an open wheel differential with a cast housing um it's not very durable they won't take a lot of power they'll take standard power forever and they will you know when they fail it's big when they fail it's normally the gears punch through the housing or the housing cracks and it rips itself off the engine cradle which in turn means that you can't bolt a new diff back on and you need a new block or new cradle um we sold a lot of billet cradles for that reason for these engines where people just rip the differential rip itself away from the engine they're not a great front diff but there's a reason they break you know abuse mainly but as we start to work our way back the car you'll see why they break front tail shaft yeah it's a bit weak as well in the um first joint and a supporting bracket, you will break front tail shafts. But again, there's a reason for that. So they're a bit piss weak. The actual main tail shaft, the carbon tail shaft, good bit of gear. You won't be touching that. They're a great thing. And you know, if you can, you can make great power out of these things and just absolutely ruin them on the track and the standard tail shaft lives. So that's a really, really, really good part of the car. You know, as are the uprights, as is the suspension. Wheel bearings will put up with a lot of crap before they finally, you know, start to wear. Um, The brakes, yeah, they're always underdone on a car like this. The standard brake callipers are pretty rubbish. So are the discs. Uh, But, you know, rubbish for what? For driving around the street, they're absolutely mint. So let's start working our way further back the car. Okay, and this is where the interesting stuff starts to happen. Fuel tank. Yep, you thought I was going to say transmission because everyone knows that's where all the goodness or badness in a GDR is, an R35. Fuel tank, not too bad. Saddle tank, typical thing with a Venturi that feeds one side to the other. Don't even think about driving one of these cars on the racetrack and not doing anything with the fuel system, adding a surge tank because they surge like buggery. They surge terribly. They starve out of, uh, let me think about it, they starve out of right-handers. Um... And yeah, that's no good for the engine, you know. So as it gets up on song, it runs the lines dry momentarily, and you have a massive lean out—a sixteen, seventeen to one air fuel ratio at, at full stick in a straight line. No good, you know. I, I know there are people going to be listening to this saying, "Oh, I've had mine around the track, and I've, I've never had it lean out. I've never had fuel surge." Well, you probably haven't because you're not just not driving fast enough. You're too slow. Okay, take that from the grumpy old man down the road. If you're going fast enough and if you're on slicks that can generate enough lateral G's to to slosh the fuel around in the tank, you're going to get fuel surge and you're going to get lots of it. I mean, we came up with all sorts of fixes for this in the day of, you know, dual surge tanks and so forth. The best actual fix we came up with was one of the Process West Australian company in Wollongong. Yes, I do some work for them. Yes, it's a little bit cash for comments here, but still great company, great product. This uh, Subaru surge tank with twin uh, 460 or greater than than that Bosch pumps in it will support massive horsepower on a GDR and give you like a good solid, uh, I'm trying to put this in metric, like quarter of a gallon reserve for when uh, fuel pickup goes awry. Great. Highly recommended. If you if you think you can even drive your GDR fast around corners on a racetrack, look into it. Okay. Now we come to the good bit. That beautiful dual clutch GR6 transmission. There's all sorts of rumours about where this thing was developed and who did it in bits of it done in Sydney, Australia, allegedly. Uh, who knows? Who cares? All I know is that they have their problems. First up, The first and the biggest problem was in 2008, when the cars were released, Nissan, uh, the software engineers there, gave it a launch control, which simply revved it to 4,500 or 4,000 RPM, LC1, launch control one, and just bang, dropped the clutches, like engaged the clutches on it, and fired the thing out of a gun, axle, tramped, shook the car, spun the front and rear wheels. It was like taking a 10-pound sledgehammer and smashing the car on the transmission. It wasn't very smart, and it worked for a bit, and then eventually they all started failing first gears. They would actually shred the teeth off first gear, just just mash it, turned it into mechanical mush. We uh, pulled one apart at the time back in the day. People were you know silly enough to bring their R thirty five transmissions to me to fix, and we pulled one down, and first gear was about forty percent narrower in the bigger, heavier, more powerful R thirty five than it was in an R32, the godfather of GDRs. So, you know, people talk about the standard R32 gearbox being weak, or 33 or 34. I think, oh, no, 34 isn't the same, but 32 and 33. GDR R35 gearbox is even smaller and weaker in size. And the problems just didn't stop there. Um, the way they distribute the four-wheel drive is a real big problem, and, and this will tie together some of what I was saying earlier. They have an electromagnetic... Uh, clutch assembly that splits torque to the front of the car and it's actuated by an ECU and basically what it does is it pulls together a set of plates and it you know drives torque out the front tail shaft to the front differential And that's all good and fine it's very similar allegedly to an STI late model STI setup made by GKN in Japan I think and again, this is all memory, so I may be wrong. So, GDR nerds, feel free to pull the grumpy old man up. Why not? Everyone else does. What happens to them, though, is that when they come out of adjustment or they wear, they basically fall apart internally. There's a set of bearings in them that fall apart, and the balls balls that fall out of their races. that sort of expand the compressor clutches, and then they lock solid. And once they lock solid, it's like someone lighting the fuse on a stick of gelignite you'll drive around a corner and you'll get that sort of feeling um like you do with a welded diff and people think oh that's great this is really performance no once that fuse is lit once the thing's locked solid you're gone it's only a matter of time before it throws the front tail shaft out of it or explodes the front differential housing be warned if your car feels like it's got a locker in it and you haven't put a locker in it your r35 Do something about your front-wheel drive clutch, or it's going to cost you five grand plus. You've been warned. Let's have a look at the rest of the gearbox. Um, Commonly, these things fail electronics. They've got had a really shitty batch of pressure sensors in them, like two-dollar parts. And when the pressure sensors fail in them, which you can log and you can read with the the and Cobb software. When they fail in them, you have to pull the gearbox out, strip it down, split it apart, lose all the fluid, put new gaskets in it. You know, to replace a, and again, they're all, they are replacements all made in China for them now, which are sometimes better, sometimes not. Um, and they're like a two buck part, but you know, for the three of these identical sensors that are in the gearbox, um, GDR tech suppliers are charging like $1,200 for a set of them. So, you know, you come to me, it's going to be 1200 plus because, you know, plus all the work because that's what they cost. And, you know, we're good enough now to pull the gearboxes in and out and split them and put them back in and set the sensors up and recalibrate it all inside of a day. You know, so it's not as big. It used to be like a witchcraft thing. Oh my God, you are got to pull a gearbox out of an R35. I will pray for your children. Yeah, it's not that bad anymore. We got pretty good at it over the years. And I still see people that, yeah, I don't like that Martin. He's a grumpy old prick. I'm going to take it to this shop down here, and they charge him like fifteen hours to pull the gearbox out, fifteen hours to put it back in, seven hours. You know, you end up with like an eight grand bill to replace like one twenty cent sensor. So, well, bad luck if you do. You deserve it. Um, yeah, there's those. They've got like a, like a piston actuator in them that that the selector forks run over, and they were badly designed from the outset, and they sort of. Wear and I had to put clips in them, which I did in later models to stop like the aluminium wearing and them rolling around and putting the gearbox into fault. Oh yeah, there's the bell housing. I forgot about that. That's on the back of the engine. It's not got too far. That is just a, just a, a shit design, right? And Nissan didn't do anything about fixing it. They'll swap them out on warranty, but basically that rattle. And they'd go. If your GDR does that when you're uh, at in, at the lights with your foot on the brake. Yep, your bell housing stuffed. Oh, but I've got an MY17 bell housing that shouldn't mate. They're all the same. They're all junk. The only way to fix them is to redesign the bearing support in them, which is something we did, and it's been good. And they're, then they're silent. Nissan could have done this, but to tell you the truth, Nissan really aren't that interested in the GDR anymore. You know, it's a, it's a ten-year-old, twelve-year-old platform that's run its course. And you know, for the handful they sell, I think they've sold like ten in the U.S. this year you know, it's it's at the end of its life. So they're not going to fix it. Um But there are, and there are plenty of people who copied our design since. We were the first people in the world to do that. So you can get a silent bell housing. You don't have to pull up at the lights and everybody looking at you, pointing, going, there's something wrong with your car, mister, because your bell housing's like crapped itself from day one. I've seen MY19, MY20 cars that have got rattly bell housings. It's just luck of the draw, but they all go eventually. And when they go real bad, you've got to sleeve them. Ugh, they're just junk get it fixed if yours makes noise get it fixed it's like two and a half grand job on and off the car to do it's not that bad you don't have to pull the engine out to do it get it fixed and enjoy some peace of mind back to the gearbox another thing uh, they would do is there have been some really weird drawings that i've tried to translate from japanese over the years but they show that the gearbox is designed to flex (laughs) across torque loading under use and it's like wow it's not really a spine right It's a pretty complex looking alloy casting filled with Borg, Warner and Nissan internals. And I think Asen, who are a big um, Japanese transmission supplier, I think ASIN Warner were involved as well. Uh, But as the big housing flexes, as you start to make some power out of them, it will tend to flex the gear set as well. And fourth gear is the gear that most commonly breaks. Once and fixed the launch control, LC2, LC3, LC4, LC5, it didn't, it slipped the clutches and it didn't bang first gear out. So people come to me now and go, oh, I'd like to upgrade my box and put a first gear in it. Don't bother. They just don't break anymore because software kind of fixed it. What they will break as the transmission flexes is fourth gear because fourth gear is right in the middle of the set. And as a gearbox flexes, it actually to most people it pulls the gear slightly out of mesh and runs on the edge of the gear face, at which point it loads the gear in an abnormal fashion and after several cycles, you know, some people get a year or two out of them on the track, some people get three minutes out of them on the track, it will just strip forth gear. And once you do that, you're up for a gear set. And a gear set, 10 grand plus, obviously. Oh, while you're at it, the clutch baskets will just tear the centres out of themselves because they're actually friction-welded or, or they use some sort of high-frequency welding that isn't very good on them. And when they're transmitting all the torque through the clutches, they'll just shear the clutch basket nose off. And people are going, I've got no fault lights, but the thing doesn't drive. Yep, because it's sheared the clutch basket in half. You can buy fill-up clutch baskets for them and you can buy decent clutches now that come. With billet clutch baskets, but you know, for anything worth owning, you'll be spending eight or nine grand on a clutch, and that's the first place to start in a, in a GDR transmission. But oh, yeah, once you start doing that and you start winding the pressures in the transmission up, and you've got a more aggressive clutch, and particularly if you have an aftermarket gear set that's a little harder, or can be a little, um, how do we say it without offending the gear set makers, it can be a little bit uh, trickier to engage precisely um, for the software. You can overload the selectors and the selector forks just go ping they're a cast alloy um selector and the early ones were, were total crap uh, Nissan actually upgraded the selectors for the dba model i believe they upgraded the selector fork or one of them or three five or something like that but basically the selector forks if you've done a gear set and you've done an aftermarket clutch do the forks or you'll be pulling the gearbox out again to do it so People go, I'm not spending 50 grand on the gearbox. And, you know, it's big money or 30 grand or whatever you want to do with the various mods you've got. It is big money, right? However, people do it about three or four times because they don't do it right at the start and they spend about 80 grand on them. I know people that have done it. And they go, no, I haven't. Well, hang on, you pulled it out on this date. 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 Like, come on, man. You know, spend... What do they say? The poor man spends twice, or some stupid proverb like that. But with GD- in GDR speak, there's never been anything truer. So, yeah, the transmission can be a bit of an issue. Oh, yeah, early cars before 2011, before DBA, it, people said the gearbox was redesigned in 2011. It wasn't. There are a couple of different parts in it, like a different selector, and they used a different synchro um, dog ring hub design because all the teeth used to get smashed off the earlier ones and there'd be little bits of metal all through the gearbox. And, you know, it people go, it's, it's you know, it chops up Lamborghinis and Ferraris and Porsches and everything else. And they did in their great car, but a few things on them were a little bit underdone. Um, and I think it was Nissan's inexperience. I mean, the, the engine, great, like I said, and the body, great, the suspension, great. But it was Nissan's inexperience with the DCT system um dual clutch transmission that probably caused them the most grief with these cars and I think any Nissan dealer would agree with me there. They've finally on you know, they've they've ironed the bugs out of it and refined it over time, mainly with software and a few hardware changes and and the things are reasonably reliable now at stock power levels. You know, I had one that did a hundred and fifty thousand miles and it was still going strong. Um for example there were things like the lubrication on top gear wasn't so great um or the main output drive of the transmission we used to put additional oil squirters in them uh just things that you would look at and say hey this isn't right when it's pulled down or maybe not this isn't right but this could be done better for operation in a track environment i mean sure as hell Nissan did a pretty darn good job of those cars and you know even the grumpy old man down the road martin donan has had a lot of fun in them, it, you know, made a lot of money out of them, provided some great parts for them. If any of you want to actually hear, because it created a shitstorm at the time, and there were people all over American forums, and there was one person, and I know you listen to the podcast, and I know you still email me now, that created a pseudonym. He was from uh, Greenfields in South Australia. Hi, Mark. How are you going? You're famous yet again. He, um got an alias and got on all the American forums and deliberately tried to shit can what we were doing with the transmission oil for these cars. No, we weren't a laboratory. No, we weren't an oil refinery. However, we did have someone that had a laboratory and an oil refinery making the stuff for us. Why did it happen? How did it start? Well it happened and started because we had no eight car and Nissan wouldn't even supply us any fluid for it. As they don't, they don't supply stuff to grey imports. And in fact, when we got ours in 2008 it was before they were even released in Australia so it wasn't even really Nissan's fault you know they shouldn't be carrying parts for cars they didn't have so necessity was a mother of invention and we came up with some really good parts for these cars and some really good lubrication technology and we learned a bit about how to make a jewel clutch work uh, in terms of oiling along the way so you know what I feel that I need to share some of those secrets I don't work with that company anymore, I don't sell their product anymore, and I don't really give a toss what they think about what I'm going to say because it was actually all my idea. You know, there are those that do it and those that claim the credit for it. And I was, you know, I was the peanut that was the doer or the thinker about it in this case and worked with the lab, and we got some really good results. So I reckon next issue, we might go into oils ain't oils. But anyway, thank you for listening to my uh, tirade on the R35 GDR Um, it's been a great story and there'll be many more stories like this to come on these cars but you know this is the grumpy old man's perspective hope you enjoyed it and have a great weekend